0: You may be seated. Good morning. My name is JD. I am one of the uh, pastors here. I'd like to welcome you uh, to Pillar Church this, uh, this morning. I am so glad that you have uh, decided to take time to gather with us. Uh, This morning, as you can see on the screen, we are continuing our sermon series through the book of Exodus with a story that will be familiar uh, to many of you if you've had any time in church. And even if you haven't, you've probably heard this story, a story of Uh, As we've even heard here said, a story of rescue, uh, a story of redemption, and ultimately salvation from the bondage of slavery. But it's also a story that is not without its trials, not without its adversity, not without its questioning of why am I here and, and in some ways how is God good in even doing this. And so it causes us and reminds us uh, about that not everything is as easy as it seems sometimes. The Israelites have been in slavery, to catch us up a little bit, uh, to the Egyptians for some 430 years. But through God's sovereign plan, he raises up Moses, a Hebrew who lives uh, miraculously... Um, Through a miraculous story, he lives and is raised by the Pharaoh's own daughter. So God uses Moses to, to go and be his mouthpiece to Pharaoh and ask him to let the Israelites go. And no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. But Pharaoh would not let the people go, so God sends nine different plagues that affect pharaoh but not enough to let his people go so god sends a tenth plague one that is causes pharaoh to relent causes much pain amongst the egyptians and eventually he lets god's people go and as the Israelites are released and as they head out into the wilderness, they stop and they worship the Lord and they celebrate God's grace in, in sparing their own children, their own firstborn sons, by instituting the, the, a Passover meal. And so that's what Joshua presented to us last week as they presented this Passover meal was instituted, a time of celebrating and rejoicing and seeing the obedience in God's goodness. It's a reminder that God, by a strong hand, brought them out of Egypt. And so that's where we're picking up this morning, Exodus 13, starting in 17. If you're not familiar with the scriptures, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, fairly easy to to find in there. And there's also a Bible nearby. If you don't have a Bible of your own, there should be a burgundy-colored Bible nearby, and that will be on page 38. Page 38, Exodus 13. We'll start in verse 17 and read through 14. So when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp up." and encamp in front of Piharoth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of baal zephon who, sh- who shall encamp, facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants uh, was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and he took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with offices over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pi-Haroth, in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh, and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night." In the morning, and in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, all of their host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the, Lord, the, but the people of Israel walked on dry, gra- uh, dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for your word given to us. I pray now that as I deliver your message this morning, Lord, that you would uh, speak through me, that your spirit would speak above and beyond me, that only I would have to do is to remain silent and let you do your work. So Lord, I pray that that would happen. I pray that you would speak through me this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't think uh, many of you would disagree with me in the fact that we live in a world uh, that enjoys and actually expects instant gratification. Like that's me. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, when things happen quick and easy. Like I like easy. Uh, this is never more true for me than when I when I travel. Um, you ever, have you ever went from point A to point B, like coming to church this morning and made every single light? You ever done that? Like you've been like, man, this feels awesome. I have made every single light. My time is like, I just made up five minutes not having to stop at a, at a red light on the, on the way here. I mean, that's, that's a great feeling to me. I, I, get a, I, I get a rush when I make a light and I see the next, and I'm like, man, I can make that light too. And you just, just keep moving on. And it's, it's awesome. But then again, there's the other side of that. There's a juxtaposition in that where you don't make any light. Like, this is Piney Green. Like, I mean, you cannot make one light to the other. If you ever drive Piney Green from 24 to 17, you, you will not ever make it all the way through. If you do, God has, like, blessed you in some way. Just know that. But uh, you, I get stopped at every single light, especially, like, coming to church in the mornings. I mean, there's nobody around, nobody is sitting there. It's just me and uh, yet yeah, the light turns yellow and in that moment as much as I rejoice over the fact that I can make every light like I vent and I'm frustrated I'm like man what is the deal I like if I would meet the engineer that designed these lights I would be like man can we can we not set it up where you're traveling and you kind of hit this light and the screen and the next light actually turns green it's just a it's an amazing that it happens that way but uh but but we we love it when we plan a road trip and we get from point A to point B and, and we make record time. You ever done this? Like, you, you've gotten up, there's no traffic, you're going from here and you're making a, a decent trip somewhere and you walk in and you go, man, record time. T- the, 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 the MapQuest or whatever it was, you know, maps, iMaps I or uh, Waze said I would make it in 3 hours and 30 minutes, I made it in 320. It's pretty great, just so you know. But, but I, I lived in Northern Virginia. How many of you have lived in Northern Virginia before? Like, how, how many of you ever made it from point A to point B without getting stuck in traffic? No hands, right? It's just impossible. It's just impossible. It's, it's frustrating when you can't have to plan around or It can't go from point A to point B and, and, and you have to plan with uh, knowing that there will be traffic. So what you do is you say, okay, well, I'll beat the traffic. I'll I'll leave at 2 a.m. in the morning and I'll get from point A to point B and I won't have to worry about traffic. And then all of a sudden you realize there's road construction that's blocking two of the three lanes to get from point A to point B and it's actually backed up worse than if you'd have left at six in the morning, right? And so it just gets quite frustrating. And so we try to we try to come up with ways to, to outsmart the traffic or to to get from point A to point B quicker. And I just you know I just like easy. I like I like getting somewhere in a, in an easy way. Uh, just in many areas of my life, I, I like easy. I like easy when I when I'm at work. Uh, like I, I like easy in my household with my with my marriage and my children. Like I, I just I appreciate like an easy uh, uh, day. Um, I like to try, and I like to travel, give point A to point B with relative ease in everything that I do, but, but how often does that actually happen for us? We're able to go and we just enjoy the easiness of life. How often does that happen in your life without trials and tribulations or something rising up and, and, and just derailing whatever plans you had? It just doesn't happen very often. It seems that our life is full of interruptions of the plans that we've made for ourselves. And what happens in that is that, is that we, are, we are left frustrated and we're left resenting the fact that, man, I made these plans. I made good plans and I, I had a design and I had a thing where I, I was going to do this thing and, and, and it didn't happen the way that I had expected. But what we don't always understand is that in those moments when my plans are falling through and, and, and my marriage Um, Feels more of a burden than it should be and the the kids aren't listening the way that that I wish that they would Um, or traffic is backed up for 10 miles because of an accident. What we don't always understand is that God is doing something in those moments. He is teaching us something about ourselves. He's teaching us something about our own hearts in those moments when we're left frustrated and we're left resenting something because our plans fail. We don't realize that, that, that in those moments he is sh- God is growing us. He is shaping us to grow in our perseverance, as James says. That He is shaping and molding us to grow in our steadfastness towards Him. James tells us, despite our trials, God is growing us. God is shaping us and conforming us to his image. That he is doing something behind the scenes to actually, to actually shape us and grow us and even, even rescue us from ourselves. He's revealing something in and of ourselves when those moments that of, of t- in times where things don't go as we expect... And so if you pick up with me in chapter 17, you will see that God does not lead the Israelites directly from point A to point B. Which leads me to my first point. Trusting in God's promises with faithfulness. Trust in God's promises with faithfulness. So when Pharaoh, he let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So point A to point B closer was actually going through the land of the Philistines to get to where it was that they were going to encamp. But God had something better for them, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. See, God isn't a God who enjoys leading His children astray. He's not just doing this that they can walk in the wilderness and and, and live a confused life. But it was actually for their own good. They were even equipped for battle. Like if you look at the, the rest of Um, verse 18 says, And the people of Israel, they went up out of the land of Egypt, like when they left, they were actually equipped for battle. But what we have to understand is that even though we are equipped for battle, we're not always ready for the war. And that is what was happening here, is that the the, the Israelites were not ready for the war. They were not ready to, to see war. And so we question God on His goodness. And we ask things, You know, God, why are the things the way that they are? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Why are you putting me in this situation? Why am I having to go through this trial and struggle and tribulation? And we ask God, why? And we question God on His goodness. We forget that God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him. Like He is orchestrating something and many different things in our lives to get us to a place where we see His saving grace. So sometimes what seems to be a hard path for us is actually God's way of developing our own faithfulness. So what seems like a hard path for us, and we question like, God, why can't you make it a little easier? Why is this so difficult? because God is actually making and, and developing our faithfulness in him. So something happens in the, in, in verse 19 that is just kind of sticks out to us a little bit here if you're not familiar with Genesis, right? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Well, why would jo- why would why would Moses take the bones of Joseph? Joseph died a while ago, but but look at what it says for joseph had made the sons of israel solemnly swear saying god will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here and so moses remembering what joseph has said back in genesis chapter 50 some 430 years later that hey God is going to redeem us God is going to rescue us I have faith and trust that God will do what he says he's going to do I don't know how much time it's going to take but God is going to bring us back into a promised land why because he promised us that he would he promised us that he would he would have a people that would go into a promised land and again we would leave Egypt and be able to go back to that land so whenever we do take my bones take my my dead bones with you so that I may have my bones and be buried back in the land of which I came and that was Joseph Hebrews 11 and 22 you don't have to turn there but it says this it recognizes this 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 action by, by Joseph as actually an act of faithfulness a trusting in God's promises with faithfulness here's what it says by faith Joseph when his end was near he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Faith is believing God's promises and live in the present light of God's future promises. So we, we live as Christians believing in the promises of God. And we also live in light of His future promises. But there's another way. There's actually another way. Look here with me in 14. Starting in verse 11. They said, this is the Israelites, said to Moses, because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness... What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So there's Joseph who was faithful enough to trust that God was going to fulfill his promises and move the Israelites from point A to point B out of Egypt and back into the promised land. But then you have the other side of the coin the Israelites, who, although God was redeeming, He was doing something, He was rescuing them out of their bondage of slave. this constant oppression that the, the, the Egyptians were placing on them, that Pharaoh was placing on them. And what do they do in response to this? As they're being led out into, out of Egypt, out of this oppression? Like they question Moses. They question God's goodness. They question God's plan. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are, you, why are you bringing me out of here? We said that we would just stay in Egypt. We would stay in bondage and sin. You see, God had a better plan. He had a better promise to fulfill for in the light of who they were and what, what his promises were to Abraham. So you see both sides of the coin here. You see Joseph who was faithful and trusting in God's promises. And you see the Israelites who are fickle, who are spiritually immature, who don't really trust in the goodness of God so the question is here, which one are you? Do you trust in the goodness of God and the plans that He has for your life? you trust in His plans? Do you trust that He's doing something greater even if you can't see it? Or, or are you like the Israelites? Like the Israelites and they look around and they see the 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 struggles that they're going through. And you look and you go, man, I just, God, why are you doing this? Like, it just don't make any sense. Stop. Like, I just want it easy. I just appreciate if you just let us out. You know, we could walk a straight line. We could just go through the water. And not suffer any trials and tribulations. Have to go through it this way. But God doesn't design it that way. Because He wants to produce something in us more. So do we trust the promises of God? Do you trust that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes? Do you trust this? Do you trust that God is working all things for good in your life if you've put your faith in Him? Do you trust that God will bring comfort when trials and tribulations seem overwhelming to you? Do you trust that you are a new creation because you are in Christ? Do you trust in the future promises of God and that Jesus will come back in His second coming? Do you trust these things? Or do you look at a very horizontal, you have a very horizontal view of life? Where you see all these things in life coming at you and they seem daunting and they they just again overwhelming. Because here's what we want. We want familiar. Like we like familiar. We don't like to be stretched. Like we don't we don't like being straight. We don't like like someone speaking into our life and stretching us in a way that seems really uncomfortable. Because we like comfortable. We like easy. We like relaxed. But God stretches us. He, he encourages us. He matures us in those ways. Because the, the more we're shaped, the more He shapes us, the more that He is conforming us, the more we are in, more like Him in, in His image. The more we are like His image. So we need to trust in God's promises. Ask yourself, do I trust in the promises of God with faithfulness? Do I take a very vertical view and I look up when things get difficult? Or do I look around at my circumstance, present circumstances and I, and I don't know what to do? Captured by fear. Second point is, God's presence is made manifest. God's presence is made manifest. Manifest. Look in verse 20 of chapter 13. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. You see, God's presence was made manifest. He appeared to them in a in a cloud by day and a fire by night. I've often wondered, like, man, if God is this visual, if he's this, if, if I could see him in this way, would I ever have doubts and fears and? And and lack trust in his goodness? And the answer truly is yes. Why? Because we have the example of the Israelites, right? They're the ones who are going, God, I know you're leading us by by fire, and I see I see who you are, I I see your presence, and yet here I am, I'm still doubting whether or not you have good matter of fact. I'd appreciate if you just took us back to Egypt and let us go back to what was comfortable and good and, and what I what i even though it was a struggle and hard, like it felt it was comfortable. You didn't take me out of, out, of my, out of my comfort zone. And so God is in this way and He's present to us. Or present to them. And they could, they could see Him and He was leading them. And, and, and what's amazing is that He never departed from before the people. His presence never departed for them, from them. Matter of fact, in, in Exodus uh, 14 and 19, that, that God, who was, who was going before the host of Israel, He actually moved from before them and went behind them why so he created a barrier between the egyptians and the israelites so his very presence was real they could they could see it uh, in in the fire by night and they could see it in the cloud by day knowing that god was present with them so the question for us is you know how is god's presence made manifest today like, I don't see a, a pillar of cloud by day and a, and a pillar of fire by night to tell me which way I should go or to help me make decisions or to, to lead me in maturity and in my faithfulness. So, so how is it that I should uh, be, be how, how is it that I can see God's presence made manifest today? Well, God reveals himself, thankfully, to us in this, in, 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 even though it's not the same way, just as clearly as he did to them. We see the presence of God in His Scripture, in His Word. We see God working. The Word is able to speak to anything that we are going through. We can see the very image of God. We can see who God is. In His graciousness, in His goodness, we can know God's character. We can understand who God is and understand His presence in our life. The other thing that we have is this Holy Spirit, that, that when we believe and that we, we trust in the, in the goodness of Jesus Christ and we put our faith and trust in Him, in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, we are promised that the Holy Spirit will, will come upon us. And He is a helper to us. He helps us to, to live rightly, to, to pray. Even, even if our prayers are lacking, That He actually prays for us. This Holy Spirit lives inside of us and leads and guides us and directs us and helps us to, to, to see His presence, God's presence working in us. Sometimes in very real and clear ways. Like even in Acts chapter 4, as, they were, as, as the disciples were gathered together, they were rejoicing and they were praying. And as they were praying, something amazing happened. The, the, the house actually shook. And the Holy Spirit was actually felt and made present. And that they rejoiced and they continued in their prayers. And don't think that God can't do something like that today through us. In us as we rejoice and as we see. I've I've seen, I've been on on, on several mission trips to Indonesia. And every time I go, I see something, God do something miraculous. In redeeming His people. There's There's not a lot of Christians where we go have just seen it time and time again where God heals or God just raises up someone or you go and, and you speak to someone you've never met before they've never heard the name of Jesus and you when you proclaim the gospel they say man for the last 2 years I've been dreaming about you coming I've been and dream- I haven't known what to do I've been dreaming about this Jesus you're telling me about I can't tell you how many times that has happened where the Spirit has been working before we even have gotten there. And we must believe, we must trust that, that God is doing things, that His presence is real, that His Word is true. Just as clear and as true as it was to the Israelites, uh, by fire and by cloud, is just as true to us today as the Spirit lives inside of us and as we read His Word. So we must uh, not neglect gathering together on Sunday mornings or any other times of the week where we meet to discuss the very words of the Lord. And that in those times that God will, will use those times to, to, to do something amazing in our lives, to grow us and show us and, and shape us in who we are as we mature in Christ. So just as God's presence was made manifest to them, it is also made manifest to us. The third point is, God's power and glory revealed. So just as His presence is made manifest, His power and His glory is revealed. Look at 14 verse four. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue the Israelites and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. It is God who receives the glory. It is not I, it is not you, it is not any of the foreign gods that you can make for yourselves. It is God who gets the glory and that is, that is what he desires from us, is that He would receive the glory. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Like even in the midst of this, this, this great thing that He's about to do, and the tragedy that will be suffered from some of the Egyptians as they, as they come after Him, that God is revealing Himself, not just to the Israelites and rescuing them, but He's also revealing Himself to the Egyptians. And so sometimes the trials that you have, that you go through, aren't just for you. They're for others to see how you walk through those difficult situations. And to them it reveals God's glory in your life. Just as God gets the glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Look at verse 17, 14. He says it again. I will harden the heart of the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was, uh, who was before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. So God protects the Israelites from the Egyptians. He shows His power. Then Moses, he stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw them into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So God is revealing who He is here. The Egyptians are starting to see that we need to flee because the Lord fights for them. They're seeing something very different from what they know. These gods that they have created for themselves that could could do nothing for them. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your right hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. And not one of them remained. And the people of Israel, though, they walked on dry land through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right, And to their left. We see God's power over wind and the sea. Creating a wall of water for the Israelites to walk through. Yet we see judgment. We see God's power and glory revealed through his saving grace of the Israelites. But also judgment. Judgment to those who would come against God's people judgment to those who would, who would not put their faith and trust in him so we must see God's power and his glory revealed how is God's power and glory revealed to us it was revealed to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior who took upon a, a, a death that we deserved took on the punishment of our sin on his shoulders for those who believe. He died a death that we deserve. But God in His goodness, in His grace, in His mercy, He raised Him up on the third, what, third day just as He will raise up those who put their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. to God's redeeming grace, His mercy made manifest, His presence given to us, Is able to be seen in the life, death, and burial of Jesus Christ, but also His resurrection, His newness of life. So we put our faith and we put our trust in Him. We see God's power and God's glory revealed here. And we see it revealed in the manifestation of Christ Jesus coming down and bearing the weight of our sin. Lastly, Godly fear leads to right belief. Godly fear leads to right belief. Look at verse 10 and 14. Verse 10 and chapter 14. Pharaoh has realized that he made a mistake. What have I done? I've let these people go. And he begins to descend on the Israelites, pursuing them with horses and chariots and horsemen. In verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And what happened in response? The Israelites feared greatly. They feared greatly. So again, this is a very horizontal view. Like, God has just redeemed us. He has just rescued us. He has just brought us out of the bondage of slavery. And yet, like when they looked upon the Egyptians coming at them, what, what took a hold of them? Like God's mercy? God's grace? No, fear. A, a binding fear. Not, uh, they feared greatly. Like this was no little fear. This was like, no, things are... We, hey... What's happening? What should we do? No, this is—we were fearful. They were, they were fearing what was on the horizon, and so God does a uh, does a miracle in 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 in, in the uh, in leading them away from the Egyptians and setting them free from their pursuit and drowning the egyptians and they're seeing this that god's glory and power have been revealed right they see the egyptians like actually washing on shore and they know that like god has done something for them and look at their response in verse 30 of chapter 14 thus the lord saved israel that day from the hand of the egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore and Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so the people feared the Egyptians who do they fear? the Lord do you see how in the course of just a few verses how they changed their perspective changed When they saw God do something for them that they couldn't do for themselves, it changed their perspective. They went from fearing the world and everything in the world to fearing the Lord for His great power and for His glory. You see, the fear of man leads to a false sense of security, it leads to a false sense of security. But yet, we fear men. We fear what people will think of us. We fear what others might say. We fear proclaiming the good news of Christ because somebody might make fun of us. But yet, God's power and glory have been revealed to us. His redemption has been made known to you through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So there is no fear of man, there is only fear of God and His judgment. They feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. It changed their perspective. As they they saw God move and as they saw God do something, it changed their perspective. It changed their view from horizontal to looking at the circumstances around them to a very vertical view of who God is and what He has done for them. And I pray that we would be a people like that. That we would trust God Not in ourselves. Not in our circumstances. That we would not fear the things of this world. No matter what it may be. And we all live with fear. But no, we would fear and trust the Lord Jesus. That we would fear and trust God Himself. That we would fear His discipline. That we would fear His judgment. That we would fear His wrath. That would be a right fear. And that we would trust. We would trust in God's promises that there, that, that, that there is power in the gospel. That there's power in the gospel to change lives. That all those people that work around you that seem unredeemable are redeemable through Christ Jesus. We must trust in the Lord that He is doing something that we can't do for ourselves. And He is leading us to a way to to mature us and to grow us and to reveal Himself to us. So as the musicians come, As we get ready to, to sing to the Lord, and as we get ready to, you can go ahead. Go ahead. As we get ready to sing to the Lord, I just, I just want to ask you, like, do you trust in the promises of God? Maybe you're here and you just have a really hard time with dealing with fear of man. Maybe you're here and you have a hard time dealing with fear of man, what others might think of you, or what others do think of you. Maybe you're here and you just lack trusting in the goodness of God. How is God good at this moment when I'm dealing with this? Maybe you're you're a Christian here who's just just having a hard time being faithful. Maybe you're just having a hard time being faithful to obey what it is that that God has, has, has... given us to obey in his in his rule and in his law and in even obeying Christ or maybe you're here and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as lord and Savior maybe you're here and you have just for for because you're worried about what others think or because maybe you're you just you just I just can't put my faith and trust in that I want to encourage you that today is the day of salvation. Do not let another moment pass before putting your faith and trust in Him. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, He is sure to save you. That if you confess confess your sins to Him, that He will save you. The only glory that you need to see is not your own glory but it's God's glory revealed to us in Jesus Christ I pray that you would put your faith and trust in him today let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this time together we thank you for your word thank you for stories like this that remind us that that even though uh, things seem really easy and that a story has a, has a happy ending that Lord we don't We don't always get the most direct path to where it is we're going. So help us to understand that. Help us to to trust in your goodness despite these times where we feel like we're in a wilderness and uh, there's no plan for us and yet you're doing something for us, Lord. Thank you for your glory and your power made manifest in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to trust in him more fully for those who have put their faith and trust in him already that we would be faithful you would find us faithful and sure and obedient Lord for those who may be here who are not trusting who have never put their faith and trust Lord I pray that you would open their eyes and their hearts and their ears today to see that you are good to see that you have given a way for rescue To give a way for redemption. A way to to get through trials and tribulations. As we lean into you. Help us to draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.